first of all, thank you very much for all of the help that you've given us over the weeks, months, years to support this this organization that does not really produce any materialistic stuff. Please continue to help us as you can, as you as your own situation allows that. Very easy to do. It's not complicated. You have to think about it very much. Then uh, probably shouldn't be giving anything. But if you look at it directly, is this valuable to you? Does this help you? Help us if you can. This morning's uh, Dharma talk is not actually a talk. I've been kind of looking at uh, the book study situation, which also, and I can come up with a talk, but I'm going to give the same talk over and over again, is train your mind. And so your questions could be about uh, how to train your mind. How do you do that? How are you going to do that? What do you run into? When you sit down hold still, and you've been doing this for years, when you run into situations that show up that are possibly perplexing or don't make sense, uh, it might be good to ask about that so that I can possibly come back and say, don't worry about that, keep going. Might need something like that. I got that from the, the Vidyadara Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. I got that kind of feedback. Keep going, keep going. You just about need to hear it from someone that you and may, maybe trust or at least give the benefit of the doubt to, at least that that person has your ear, you're listening. Somebody that says, that listens to what you have to say and say, says, just keep doing that. That's how it feels. That's the, the path doesn't necessarily look like the mountaintop. The view from the mountaintop uh, may not be what you think it is. Maybe worse. Probably will be. Definitely better. I can guarantee that. And I don't guarantee much. <clears throat> whether it will happen in this lifetime or not is uh, somewhat up to whether you even think there is such a thing as a lifetime. This one, to start with. Let me have some questions, please. Mountains and rivers. Go ahead. It seems like difficulty shows up in my mind stream off the cushion more strongly than it does on the cushion. I'm wondering if I'm covering something up in my sitting practice. Probably are. But that's why you sit. That's why you're sitting. It's not a success project. Just look at the cover-up. Good question. Look at the cover-up. And to see that contrast brings up that kind of question. And unless you have that kind of question, uh, this teacher can't respond to you in such a way that Probably, but you need to look at it. I'm not going to going to. I am not going to tell you. Oh, look over here, or look right under here, just to the left slightly, and then look right at that, and you'll see the cover up. Uh, probably not going to work that way. Although situationally, if you bring me a situation that is a, a, it's like a, it's like a crowded subway. It's somewhere in there. There might be some thing that I could say to you that I might not even realize how, how important that is to the awareness of the cover-up, but I might be able to point you to that without knowing I've even done that. But you will take that away and reflect on that and see that, yes, there's some kind of a passageway to speak about it in a metaphorical way. There's some kind of a passage to go deeper into that area of your particular cover-up. Your cover-up is completely different than Pao Shan's or Beyond's or 
sent you. Is there anyone else in here? It's it were as highly stylized to fit your personality dynamic, your particular style. You could say your Buddha family, Buddha, Vajra, Ratna, and so on. Different ways of covering things up. There's probably more than that, undoubtedly more than that. It often feels like I make things much more difficult for myself than I need to. Sometimes use the guise of practice, like, oh, this is a Dharma gate or good practice. Is it okay to, insofar as I can, make things comfortable for myself? Again, in a way. Some, somewhat. Don't go overboard either direction. Freedom from extremes. Very, the very definition of the Buddha Dharma, the Buddhist path, is freedom from extremes. But it's not particularly something you do, it's just it starts to show up. You just see that you're no longer going to extreme emotion, extreme anger, extreme some, and you're no, no longer really going to extreme elation or happiness or uh, just overwhelming kind of temporary uh, two and a half minute bliss. So you're not, those, those are tiny, starting to diminish. Why? Because you're actually looking at what arises without buying into it, without selling it, without ignoring it, without doing anything with it. You're just looking right at it. And if you look right at it, if you heard, heard me say this before and possibly even read it someplace, you won't know what it is. The whole identity structure is uh, that where we, we identify something by naming it, classifying it, categorizing it, might help us materially in the material world to make a living, possibly. But the spiritual path is kind of the other way around. It's just observe, just observe. So a little bit of that. You'll know, you'll know when you're kind of going overboard and being outrageously, whatever, mad or irritated. As I've said several times to you and to others, the feelings that are happening in your mind stream are yours. I've been saying this at least for 10 years. No one comes with a, with a bucket of emotion sees you walking by or in the room or across the kitchen table and pours emotion into you. You feel so mad, so outraged, and you can go right to why, who caused it, why, the, the person with the bucket. There's no bucket there. No one poured anything. All they did is bump into you or possibly say something about, don't you think you ought to clean up your act around this or this or this? You know, didn't we have an agreement where I was going to do this and you were going to do that? And you haven't been doing that? Something like that. Just coming up with an example here. Blame. We, we, we want so much, because the pain is so difficult, we want so much to get rid of that. We will actually blame someone who probably doesn't even have any clue of what we're even talking about. Which often causes people to get very defensive when they're blamed for something they're not sure what is being inferred. Go ahead. As far as blame, I, I find myself blaming generalities. If I hurt, I might blame aging or I might blame the weather. Well, those are, obviously automatic. those are at fault. Yeah, I blame aging all the time. Yeah. Is that a problem? I don't about myself, just about you. Well, she's aging. Well, she's getting older. Well, he's almost 40. <laughs> I mean, I should give him a break. 39 and a half. Oh, go ahead, please. Sorry for the mockery. Is, is that still a problem as far as blame? 
not a problem so much. I wouldn't go to it that way. But you can be aware of that. You hear me emphasize awareness over and over and over again. It's about being aware of it. Then the dependent origination that you had no say-so about it, there's no handles or levers or buttons or volume controls or anything in that area that you can get in. If you find something like that, uh, you've just missed everything. You've ignored everything in order to focus on that control. And I'm not saying it wouldn't help a little, but it's temporary because it has this definition in terms of relative truth. You're finding it in relative truth instead of finding it in ultimate understanding. which transcends everything. It's freedom from every kind of polarity, every kind of extreme, every kind of positionality, everything, everything, everything. It's liberation. No one is liberated. If someone is liberated, they work to do. That will come apart. That will fall apart. So if I say, well, it's dependent origination or it's impermanent, is that coming to a conclusion? Well, a little bit. You're going to I mean, the teachings even said everything. Uh, the, the, the three marks of existence are impermanence, suffering, and no self. So certainly, you would use those. You would see this. You could say to yourself, oh, "This won't last," or "This is impermanent." Uh, uh, excuse me. So a little bit, but sometimes it, it keeps ramping up and ramping up. Then you might want to just watch what's ramping up rather than naming it or trying to use your. Well, it's just impermanence, and it, with some expectation, if I just say it's impermanence, it'll somehow fade away. It may get stronger. More? You? How can I find out who this is if I, if I have such a strong desire to, to get away from what I think this is? So that's happens. Everyone goes through something like that. I just don't want to be this person. I don't like this. I don't like me when I'm doing this or acting like this. So just look at it. Pardon me. It's just, it's a matter of, uh, uh, that's why it's called a path. Uh, It's because there seems to be some kind of, uh, we have to traverse several different aspects of the personality of the mind, of the, the forest that is in mind that is confusing and seems seductive in some areas and scary in others. We just keep going anyway. That's why we need a path. And that's why you have received the vows to uh, the Bodhisattva, the Jukai, to be with all things and to put others before yourself, which you, which you do. You might not be able to maintain that all the time. Sometimes you might sink into some kind of self-centeredness that's going on. So what's your basic question? There's, there's conflicting, conflicting emotions that the, yeah, so, the desire to go in and the desire to go out. Yes. So when you, when you express that, you're, watch what your body does. Be aware of the body. The body and the mind are not two different things. They're separated somewhat, but just like your eyes are separated. There's only one situation happening, and even that's an overstatement. But when you express that, your, your right hand slaps your knee. Everybody could hear that. Did everyone hear that? That's an expression. That's an expression. That's an outflow, a kind of outflow. Be aware of that. You don't have to stop that. But if you, if you say, well, I don't, just don't know what to do with it. But that's, that's actually 
part of consciousness. That's a, that's a way we get rid of something in one sense, and it's the way we substantiate, reify, um, validate on an, in, an individual self. I'm right here, and this is me. I'm not saying you're doing this, but you might do it another time, three hours from now, eight days from now, you might. So we both watched you do this. <laughs> I know what I'm, I think I know what I'm doing. It's not an exact quote, is it? Close? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I made the mistake of correcting her once. And that wasn't exactly that. Go ahead, please. You said to me once, well, it was a while ago, um, it's hard to go up the mountain when you can't see where you're going. Yes. Am I going? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's why we need a... The Three Jewels has been around for millennia. So we need some kind of a structure because it's an, it is not a path of belief. It's not, a, it's not the conventional theistic kind of religion. Not wrong. Some people, that's the only way they can practice. They need some kind of a something to worship. And we come in and bow to the altar, but you're bowing to your own Buddha nature. There's a chunk of wood in the shape of a human that lived, as far as we know, 2,500 years ago. There's no one to worship here. But you might want to turn your attention to the teacher, to the teaching, to the community, and align yourself with this. The community, community is full of crazy people, too. I'm crazy. So you can't get rid of that. You don't need to get rid of a thing. You don't need to be somebody else. It's an amazing understanding. It's called transcendence. And what happens? Not much. Occurrence is, is the relative world. Something happens, something doesn't happen. So to continue to look for something to happen, for something to change, where you become a better person, more realized, is uh, that's part of the confusion. Just, just keep, you're not going to know what the other side of the mountain looks like till you get there. And to imagine what it would be like and keep looking to see if your experience of looking in uh, uh, logs in the forest or dead gophers or something like that. Is this realization? Is this? Probably not. Have I clarified anything or made it worse? I can give you a couple more ors. Sure. <laughs> um, or that other thing I can't remember. That one. Thank you. You're welcome. When you're bowing, um, a few minutes ago, you said that no one dumps a bucket of feelings into us. I think you've also said it uh, previously that feelings don't belong to you. Same thing. Where, so you say they, these feelings are ours, but they don't belong to us. What is the differentiation there? Feelings are ours, and they're happening in, our, in your mind stream. It's your finger that you catch in the door. So you feel that pain. So this you, this body mind complex. It's just that it's not a separate being. It's separated into this these eyes, this nose, this tongue, this uh, capacity for hearing or seeing or smelling. So th th that's definitely the case. There's definitely a separation, but the fundamental nature is not separate. So you're not separate from anyone anywhere. And so when someone to, just to tell a story about it, somebody comes along and does something that offends you. It's not that they didn't do it. It's not that the offense, the relative situation is there. It's just that if you're, if you fight back or if you blame them, or if you take them to court or, 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 or that's, you can get some satisfaction from the relative situation. 
You can take them to court, sue them, get their money. Finally, you know, I, I, I know I've been uh, cheated. I was in business uh, 40 years, close to 40 years, 30 years ago. Someone embezzled money from me, took it from me. Um, not, not comfortable. But also it's a relative situation. Not that it's correct. It's not. But the ultimate situation when someone does something that that causes you to have um, triggers negative feelings in you, those negative feelings are yours. When I say yours, they, they're in your mind stream, your karma, your eye color, the shape of your ears, the shape of your mind structure that receives and produces, receives and produces. Some people are quite a bit about receiving all the time, usually very generous people. And some people are about producing as much as possible to protect the, what? Something they think is threatened, threatened, which is what? An imaginary self. There is no one here. This person, this old man you hear, this voice you hear, it does not have an identity back here. The identity is completely about this path. And that's what you're doing here. You are, you are changing your identity from the ego mind, the self-centered path of accomplishment and getting somewhere and getting acknowledged, being famous, being beautiful for a little while. Anything, just serving others. Meet people where they're at. Help people where they're at. One of the best things you can do for most, for people most of the time is to mind your own business, especially if they're not giving you permission. I don't care if you're married to them. They're not giving you permission at, literally, you might want to keep it zipped. So the whole idea of the no one's pouring a bucket full a bucket of emotions into you is just saying they're your feelings. It's not that they didn't do something that triggered that, but those emotions were there fifteen years before you ever met that person. And you just hide them out. It's very easy to, for the ego mind, for the, uh, the consciousness always finds its own form. And in its own form may be ignorance. For most people it is. Most people are walking around ignoring, what, 90, 80, 90% 90 of their life so they can just experience their prejudice. They don't call it prejudice, but keep them out, keep them out. I just want this part of life. I just want blue eyes, white skin, you know where I'm going with that. And I don't need to go any further. I don't want to get into any kind of political stuff, although it tends to show up that way quite often. Prejudice. Difficult, difficult, difficult. Really, really difficult. Without the spiritual path, all of the people on the, on the news that are, even though some people seem fairly reasonable and some people seem completely unreasonable and out of sight crazy, uh, they're both dealing with the same kind of thing. Even the, even the, the understanding, um, reasonable news reporter or whatever, they still don't have any mind training and they're still going to right and wrong, correct and incorrect. Choto. Choto Bowing, if someone is relatively triggering those emotions we've been hiding out from, do we have any um, say-so to ask them to stop that? Um. So it's situational? Possibly. There's so many variables there. So somewhat. 
if you can, you don't have to necessarily go to war with them and come back with uh, anger and some kind of violence. Yeah, you, you could you could do that. There's there's some room to do that. I think it's it's a situation. There's, if it's somebody you're in a intimate relationship with, and probably you could talk to them about it. But if it's somebody that you only meet in the workplace, um, that would be situational. Maybe staying away from them would be is possible. It's not avoidance. Toto mm bowing. -hmm. If we're trying to see what this is, should we um, not ask for those triggers to be um, worked with that way? So there, there's no standard way of relating to that that I can come back and say, yeah, and do that. But I think that kind of thing, excuse me, is probably going to show up to some extent. But you need it. You're not a child. You may act well, act like one. You're not a child. You you could you could actually look at that, especially, especially. This is a capital E. Especially if you're actively training your mind. And I'm not talking about a half an hour a day. There are people who teach that. There are people who say, or even an hour a day. It needs there needs to be a lot of mind training. And this is based on looking at this for close to fifty years, and being insane myself. At least. At least 30, over 30 years of that was still not being clear on what, what I was doing. And am I clear now? I don't need to be clear. I don't need to have an identity of I'm clear. You won't hear, hear me say that I'm clear. I'm more likely to say I'm nuts. Why? Because I am. This manifestation that came up as this human being is crazy. I don't know how it's so to say, but you do not, do not have to approve, improve. I don't care what John Kabat-Zinn says or Pema Chodron or anybody else. They can say whatever they want. They have their group of people that, that connect with their teaching. And if, you know, you're for this moment, you're here, so you're connecting with this teacher. I'm, I'm speaking to you, endeavoring to teach you out of what I'm looking at. I barely can remember anything. <clears throat> Sir. What are you looking at that you're teaching out of? Not separate. I don't see anything but this. And if I were to say what it is, well, it's uh, Buddha nature. But it's not like a whoop-de-doo. Uh, <laughs> everything I look at is Buddha nature. Too bad for you guys. It's no, you're looking at it too. You just don't recognize it. I want to help you recognize that what you're looking at is the Buddha, is the awakened one. Not, a, not the guy who lived 2,500 years ago. Not separate from him either. That some somebody had to do this 2,500 years ago. He looked at this, uh, and he was, had great odds. He had his dad, the, who was a king, was against the society. He didn't get much support there because all the Brahmins were uh, against him, so to speak. They're not certainly weren't for him, and he's trying to start a whole new thing. No self. No no particular other. No deity. Not saying that that the Upanishads and other teachings in ancient India didn't weren't uh, weren't a pretty good support for him to do that. If he was in this country trying to do that, somebody might shoot him because of the in in intense uh, craziness. Go ahead. Shoto bowing. How does just observing help us to see what you're looking at, bowing? <clears throat> because over time. 
through this sitting practice of meditation and and possibly other, there's other practices and I think it's very individual. I'm not saying I could teach you tantric practices. I practice them. Not all of them because there are literally hundreds and hundreds of them. But I could teach you that because I practiced it. And I'm not saying it wouldn't be practiced or that I might not teach it next week, maybe. But I don't do any, I don't plan anything. I do it as it comes up. I don't know how else to say that. It might sound like, well, that's kind of a foolish way to work. And relatively, in the mundane world, it is. You need to have some plans or what you're trying to do won't come about. That's why I, I have help. I have uh, Union. I have uh, Juzan. I have Chiazan. I have Kelly. I have, I have people that are connected into the world in a, in a way that I am not. I'm also not disconnected. We do this together. That's why it's, Sangha is so important. I am a Sangha member. I'm also the teacher here for a while. But Sangha is very, very important. CCC, communicate with other, others. Listen to everyone. Listen to them. Instead of starting right out with, they come out with some kind of a, a explosiveness because of this, because of that. We could listen for a little while and see, see what's really happening with them. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Some people, you don't know what other people are going through. We don't really know what it's like to, to, you don't know what it's like to be me, and I'm not about to tell you. You don't need to hear that. You don't need to hear what I went through when I was 13 or 14. I might mention a little bit, but not much. There's no reason to do that. You're going through your own version of what I went through, more than likely. And you may think you got the most painful life in the world. I know I did. Certainly. A question from Navid. Navid. If there is no person in us, what is it that makes us different from each other? Well, Just consciousness finding its own form. See this nose? It's my nose. It's not your nose. That's what makes us different. This, in a manifestation of physical form, is happening... Uh, in, all, in every dimension, it's happening in the intermediate state, which is where this body, where this consciousness shows up when the body-mind no, no longer supports it in this realm, the human realm, then it, it goes, uh, it doesn't even go. It's already there. You're, you're, you have one foot in this realm and you have another foot in, the, in every other realm. You're not separate from anything. So consciousness just shows up as a personality and then because of hope and fear, it tends to congeal into a person who has some kind of vendetta or some kind of has to have, some kind of demand. We see it all over the place. It's nauseating if you see when someone is so full of themselves and so not really caring at all about anybody else in their travail. It's nauseating. But the only way you can really work with it is to train your mind. The structure of society, even the in the West, even the Constitution and all that, sure, we need to support that, we need to vote, but there's a, it's a big avalanche that's coming down. Nothing lasts. Nothing lasts. Any structure is coming apart. Even the Buddha's Dharma, without all the different kinds of Buddhism, without the uh, uh, Nichiren sect in Japan, without the Tendai, without the Soto Zen, without the Rinzai Zen, without the Karmakagyu, the Nyingma, the Galugpa, the Sakyapa, 
and and all the uh, what does it say in the in the Kagyu uh, in the chants says the four great and eight lesser schools. It's like so it's they're everywhere. And who's right? Who's wrong? Don't worry about that. You could look at it. You could study it if you want to become a scholar and get knowledgeable about that. There's plenty to choke on there. Tons and tons of material in, in, any, in, in anything. Go in and look in Wikipedia under under uh, therapy. I mean, the first time I looked was probably eight years ago, eight to ten years ago. I think there were 80 different therapies listed. Now there's around 150. Maybe there's more. <laughs> I don't know. And not, we're not talking about right or wrong. We're saying people do this, they do that, they try that, they try this. Some things get more and more popular, and then, then they might collapse and go back into the space. You know, consciousness finds its own form, whether it's a nose or whether it's a, uh, a uh, fluorescent alligator in the kitchen. You didn't know that about that because it disappears every time you look in there. It's that kind of an alligator. So you wouldn't know about that unless I told you. I, I know so much, it's just sickening. <laughs> <laughs> but I forget it, so that's that's the upside. I forget what I know. Go ahead. Sure, well, when you talk about having a foot in both worlds, what makes us convinced that we're just in one of them? We think with the body. We're identified with the body. Dogen in the 13th century, the founder of this particular lineage of Zen Buddhism, Soto, said, drop off body and mind. He didn't mean kill yourself. He didn't mean to get rid of the body. The body might become even more vivid as you're really aware of the attachment to the body, that you you actually think you are this. You can move your hands and well, I'm here and I can do stuff. I can have coffee, uh, I can have some water, I can strike this gong. I have control. Me, 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 me and my body and my mind. I can think things. I can think, I can think a fluorescent alligator in the kitchen. You can just, it's powerful. And that is extremely convincing that you are somebody going somewhere. Somebody says something, does something, hurts your feelings. Somebody says something, does something, compliments you, you feel all puffed up because well, at least somebody finally acknowledges how smart I am, or how good-looking I am, or how graceful I am, or how, 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 how. Always getting your identity from other. Don't get your identity from anyone. Don't get it from me, even though I might have changed your name. That's to help you see that there isn't anyone, not for you to grasp onto um, noble snowflake. Did I name anybody that? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a good one because you wouldn't last long in the sunlight. <laughs> so, drop off body and mind. What did Dogen mean by that? I, I have not talked to Dogen, but what I would say was see the attachment to the body and see that that is unreal. It's an attachment and you don't have to get rid of it. All you have to do is see the attachment. It is always about awareness. Awareness finds its own form. And as soon as it finds, as soon as you see what that is, then the consciousness that sees that is not separate from the consciousness that, that is that. It's called non-duality, advaita. I'm talking out of what I see. I don't even think. I think a little bit, but if I, if I thought I thought, yeah. If I thought that I thought, 
What would that be? Tell me. What would it be? Ketchup. Ketchup? Would you get smart with me? <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> How about mustard? Did you sit back and think that up, or did that just come out spontaneously? I'm not sure. It seemed to be spontaneous. No wonder you're so foolish. Said to bowing, when looking at the first tenant, consciousness finds its own form. Yes. I get confused or tripped up in in the middle in its own. Um, mm, good one. What is what is um, that? Is there ownership there? It, it, it's, it looks like it, but it's not. And the ownership comes from fixation and or from uh, objection. Ownership, that needs to go away. So you give it, by your attitude, you give it a reality that it doesn't even have. It's an illusion. It's delusion. It's an illusion as it appears, and it's delusion as it's pushed on or grasped or shut down on. That's the delusion part. Creates an artificial otherness that thinks it's somebody that is aligned with the physical form, that thinks it can live or die, succeed or fail. So it's finding its own form, that, but that ownness, that ownership is just a flash. It's just it finds its own form. And if it's, if, if there is a, a complete unexcelled awakening, which there is no such thing, of course, but we have to talk about it somehow. Like we studied the Diamond Sutra yesterday, complete unexcelled enlightenment, uh, does the, does the Buddha teach that? No. The Buddha does not teach that. So it's, it's very similar. Just watch what comes and goes by wall gazing, sitting down, holding still, and watching what flows in the mind. You train yourself to watch what comes, watch what goes, without grasping, rejecting, or shutting down, and, and eventually realize your true nature, which is not separate from anything, which can't die. Your body's going to die, but know this, that who you actually are can't die. But if your belief, your grasping in consciousness is so strong, you're so tied to the body, then when the body does die, then, then you'll think you're dying. But if you know who you are, you can't die. Fearless. Nothing can threaten you. Sir, how do we bow to our own Buddha nature if we don't know or recognize what that is? You don't have to. Everyone on the path, beginning and even later on, sometimes 20 years later, so still is not sure what that is. I know I was there in uh, 20 years in 1983 or 82, 80, 1980 when I met Coben, been meditating, practicing for about 17 years. I still wasn't sure what I was even doing, what the Buddhist path even was. I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it, mainly because of my connection with uh, my teacher, my, my guru, which is just a word for teacher, but it just has more gravitas to it because it's weird and foreign. But it seemed to work. 
What did it do? How did it work? Kept me on the path. He didn't do it for me, but I needed that kind of support from someone. And I feel that you do too. That's why I'm here pointing at you. That's why I'm uh, mocking Milka. Kiyun, Milka. Milka, Kiyun. More? How, how do we have an understanding about what Buddha nature is? Just you, you, you just said the words, so let's break it down. Buddha, awake, nature, uh, the, the, the qualities or whatever that is, the fundamental quality of, of what that word is. Awake, what is the nature of that? So we're still in the conceptual area, so at some point we're going to have to kind of look deeper into the darkness there, and that darkness being the feeling that you don't know it. Don't cover up the knowing with knowledge. This is a mundane path. A lot of scholars do this. Very, very erudite, scholarly Buddhist teachers that we study, several of them, are because they're so clear about the structure, the, 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 the language, the concepts are so clear about it, we study them because it helps us. Helps us help me study this over years, years and years. So just continue to return, 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 and return and acknowledge, see in your own mind that you don't know what it is you're doing. That's why it's a spiritual path. If you know what you're doing, it's not a spiritual path. It might have spiritual aspects, spiritual language, spiritual beliefs, spiritual opinions, spiritual constructs, spiritual... Uh, tenets could have anything like that, but if it's if it, it it is if it is grasped as something, then it's covering up the truth. So you're in this space uh, practicing as a fully ordained monk, and so you get to practice with your mind. And part of the thing that's happening in your mind is you don't know what you're doing. That's not. I'm not trying to be funny. You must have noticed that you keep coming in here not really being sure what this is. Have you noticed that? You do it anyway. Why are you doing it? I think I want to know what you know. Okay. Well, that's very similar to... I wanted to understand what the Vidyadara in 1973, when I met him, was pointing out. What was he point? What is he pointing? He is really pointing at something. Some kind, he has some kind of understanding that I've never seen in anyone before. His presence was overwhelming. Of course, I only saw him once in a while, so when I did see him, it was pretty overwhelming. If I had hung around with him like uh, David Rome or, uh, or Marvin Casper or John Baker, any other really, really close people who uh, were just in the other room, waited on him hand and foot, he might not be so... Uh, Mysterious in that way. I don't know. I didn't get that close. Further questions? So, yes, sir. Is awareness a form of emptiness found? Awareness can will have some quality, uh, even when there's nothing in it. So, and that quality that it has uh, may show up as being empty of anything. I mean, there's an aspect of consciousness that doesn't seem to, nothing is happening there, nothing is going on. There isn't anything. But there's some aspect of awareness that is receiving that, 
somewhat objectifying that a little bit, but it's empty. Uh, bowing. How do we include our identities uh, attachment to awareness without blocking it out? Um, Just continue to practice. Continue to sit. Yes. A question from Prakash. What's how do you spell it? P-R-A-K-A-S-H. Prakash, okay. How does meditation happen? Sit down, hold still, all the senses are open, and watch what moves. Now, there's some other, some something beyond the esotericism that seems to be arising in your, your question. You need to be more specific. I'll come back to you. Isan, you have a question? Isan Um Circling back to what I think I heard from you, that if we, it's very difficult for me to, um, get no self how do how would i understand it how would i understand that and i thought you said one way to do that is to stop or to turn from success acquisitions i want i do this to serving others putting others before yourself did i hear that right yes okay but it, but it will, but it's still in the mundane area of accomplishing something. Further, yes, because they, then, so if we do that with our brain, we are building a person who helps others. Yep. So where in in the way that you were meaning that, where does that come from? Serving others. Yes, there are no others. It's an illusion. It's an astonishing illusion. And you haven't gotten rid of anybody. You haven't killed anybody. You haven't. You're not ignoring anybody. You. You. In fact, in infection, you're probably even more attentive and clear about who's across from you and what they're going through. So you're able to actually receive them. There's no one to save, but you. But it's necessary to receive and observe the vow to be with all things, save all beings. Without that. The, Without that, there's we continue to rotate in samsara, believing this and disbelieving that, and we're there's some of that happening in the on the spiritual path for a while, evaluating ourselves, evaluating others, thinking others don't practice as much as we do, <laughs> or thinking I don't practice enough myself, which may not. So just keep going. I mean, you're already you're a nurse been a nurse, you're retired now, but you've been a nurse your whole life, so your intention was to help others. But as, as that goes along, you may get a deeper, and you will get a deeper and deeper understanding of what that is about as you continue to um, practice sitting meditation, study the, the Buddha's Dharma, return to the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the teacher, the teaching in the community. Yeah, I think that's what, I am also wondering that if there's something about a way of looking at it that's there's a there's a depth that I that's part of what I can't grasp maybe when I feel like I can't grasp no self because it's a, it's in a different direction. Yes, and well said. And and I would say you don't you can't grasp it. 
the feeling of not grasping. That's that's the kind of the feeling you can't understand this. This is when the intellect, you can even say uh, to be specific, the fourth skanda start. It doesn't know what to do at the edge of that cliff, but awareness doesn't doesn't care if there's a cliff. A cliff is is a is a painted rice cake, according to Dogen, or or my understanding of Dogen. It's just it's just it's real, but it's unreal. It's real, but it's unreal. There is no cliff. Uh, another way of saying it is once you begin to uh, enter into that realm, uh, another way that it's been described way before I got here is it's, it's a, the ego has a feeling of falling and falling and falling and falling, uh, and that falling never stops. But you never, there's no bottom. You never hit bottom. There's just a, a, a loss of everything. You've lost your whole world. You've lost everything, and you, and you receive everything. Not to Advaita, Advaita. Chisho. Chisho Um You talk about this body-mind complex that has the emotion that somebody pours a bucket of emotion into. Is that body-mind complex that gets enlightened by? Uh, no, but it's not excluded. It's part of the whole array. It's part of the plants. It's the rocks. It's the the mountains. It's the it's the the uh, what did I say? Green? No, iridescent. No, I didn't say that. alligator. Did I say crocodile? Okay, let's not go there. What? Fluorescent. I did. I said fluorescent. So it's that same imaginary stuff. I'm just using that to say that anything that that I, if I say something, it shows up in your mind too, even if it's a concept. But when I say, when I create an image like that, that shows up in some level. Some people are very visual and actually see their own version of that. It's uh, alligators probably facing the wrong way. Mine's facing uh, the doorway and yours is probably facing out the window. Or maybe it's sideways. Maybe it's straddling the two counters. I'm being silly, but I'm just saying that we, part of what I'm saying and what I'm intending to uh, produce, provide, or um, support in your consciousness is to see that whatever arises is vividly unreal. It is there. It's solid. You can it'll make a noise, but it's unreal. It is unreal. If a further question, she show, please give it to me. You should have. Come on, give me another one. Come on. Yeah, I'm still confused then about. Uh, yeah, what does uh, have the turning around at the basis or, yeah. Yes, yes. It, 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 think of it this way, I'll be very literal. So if it's the idea of turning around at the basis is a way of talking about, uh, about it so that it looks like something happens, but nothing happens. And so the turning around at the basis is a, is a, is a, um, a relative way of saying that there's no longer grasping, there's no longer rejecting, and there's no longer, so if there's no longer, no longer, no longer, then then nothing really occurs anymore because there's no longer a, a, an aspect of consciousness which is vast and unmeasurable that shrinks up into a little ball and hides out in a little body called me, a little physical form born in, uh, in my case, 1941. You know, it's it's seen through, we see, we see it. We see, we see through it, there was never, never anyone there. 
we we realize it and so you could say and it's been said in the past there's a turning around at the basis of the alia vijnana the eighth consciousness that, that there's no longer any production happening out of there because there's no longer someone in the seventh consciousness that wants or doesn't want or shuts down so therefore that whole thing breaks apart so nothing occurs it's not that there wasn't the illusion of things occurring before that realization happened in your or, or showed up in your body-mind complex. But once that happens, there's no history to it. It doesn't have a history of, well, for a while there I was uh, confused and all shrunk up into an ego, but now I'm, I'm free of that and I'm liberated. No, the ego's still there. It's still hammering away in some corner of the room. Uh, but you don't mind because you know, you know it's unreal. You see that, you're, you see that the ego, egos of others, the self-centeredness in, in your students or in your, your community members, is, it's unreal. And you support them in seeing that also so that they can see, they can realize your true nature. I don't want if, you know, a thousand students, but I do want to be very direct to the people who, if you're here, you consider yourself a student of mine, I'm telling you, I'm saying to you, I'm exhorting you to see your true nature. And the way that you do that is return to the wall, watch the, the movement in the mind without grasping, rejecting, or shutting down. Don't come to any conclusions about anything. Do that a lot, not just an hour a day. Do it a lot. And then also uh, return to the teacher, the teaching, and the community, which we have a structure here where you can study just about every day with community members, people who are studying the same thing you are. Maybe with a, you might think with a greater realization of yours, or maybe not so good, or maybe you feel like you understand better than they do. It could be any number of things show up that way. We do this together. I, I feel it's very mutual. It's not just a teacher sitting on a, uh, some kind of a throne, although I'm sitting on a ton. I'm of elevated, what, th three inches off the floor. So there's some of that. Some, we need some of that. In ancient times, maybe we needed a whole lot. Apparently in ancient Tibet, they needed to have a really high platform. I don't know. Maybe we need one of those. I have no idea. Wulong. Wulong bowing. In, in the creative act, whether writing, poetry, or painting, consciousness finding its own form Specifically to the creative act, what is consciousness without the form? So we, we, we're u still using concepts. I would just say it's just, it's just formless. It, it's neither here nor there. has no location, has no shape, has, has nothing in time and space. Nothing at all. It's, it might be closer to, to space itself or the sky or to light. Might be closer to that. It might even be that in some sense. But the one who's creating, uh, uh, someone who's truly creating, whether it's in music or the arts or writing or doing that separate, uh, separated from the spiritual path and just doing it, and it, sometimes even calling it a spiritual path. I know several people who are creative artists, very, very good creative artists, who, who think they're on, they don't think they don't need to do anything else, maybe. And so they can do that if they want. But the spiritual path needs a lot of a lot of training. The way it looks here, and I'm biased. You need to sit down, hold still, 
watch the movement, watch the movement. Don't accept it, don't reject it, don't look away until the whole thing just comes apart, falling apart, falling apart, falling apart. Nothing to do, everything all at once. Nothing sleeps. Take a couple more. Just balance. When we argue with each other or try to make a point, is that basically a turf war over the alligator space? Turf war over what? Over like what color the alligator is. Is that what we're doing? Pretty much. No, don't don't do it. Don't don't take exception to anything. Don't agree. Don't disagree. Don't look away. But interact. Enjoy yourself. You actually can. In spite of the teaching of suffering, uh, that's how you would enjoy yourself, by not ignoring that. You would see that everything is always this way. Passion, as uh, tr uh, the Vidyadara Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche says in the sadhana of Mahamudra that we're doing, I think, are we doing it twice a month now or just still once? I think we're going to doing it full moon and new moon. And uh, so far, uh, Jason is the only one leading that and has been doing it for 10 years anyway. So that in that, there's uh, pain and pleasure uh, alike have become ornaments, which it is pleasant to wear. Just a image that he invented that shows that you don't, you don't differentiate between pain and pleasure anymore. It's difficult to, to talk about that because you know that you can't just say, this would be much easier for you if you just stop fussing around with everything, with your little petty mind. Here, if I could give it to you, I would. If I could give you this giant pill called the Dharma, cram it down your throat, realize your true nature. Realize it, realize it, do it. I don't know how much you need to practice. Sitting meditation, you might need to do a whole buttload of it, a lot of it, so you just, a lot more than you've been doing in the past. Probably do. Sitting still, holding still, watching what moves, and you could say training yourself to stop grasping, stop rejecting, and stop shutting down. How do you do that? By watching the way you do that, and that introduce you personally to your own dynamic of shutting down, your own dynamic of fluffing up, and your own dynamic of closing off or going to war with something. You need to see it. No more war forever. If you see that, that, that those words are just come tumbling out of you. And you won't even know what you've just said. Because there wasn't, won't be anybody left there to know anything. Freedom from the known. Freedom from what you know about. Freedom from knowledge. You don't do away with it. We study uh, relative knowledge, the ultimate understanding, through relative knowledge just about every day of the week. Uh, in the book study of various uh, Dharma books, the sutras, the teachings of current teachers and the teachers uh, in the past and past, including the Buddha, as far as we know. Another question from Rakesh. Is not thinking state of mind the ultimate of meditation? No. Not thinking is a state of mind and, and uh, awakening is, is no mind. There's no state. There's no state, there's no non-state, there's no, 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 no. It doesn't matter. <laughs> there's no one there, it doesn't matter. Your mind can be full of rocks. You can eat whatever you want. 
but you may not feel very good if you eat something bad. No mind. No, no mind is one of the ways it's been. But even that's extra. That's like saying there's no mind. Eh, yeah, there is. Oh, is there or isn't there? That would be the what it sounds like Prakash might say next, or maybe not. Did he say something next? Uh, he didn't, but someone else did. What's their name? Freezing Mountain. Freezing Mountain? Oh, okay. Go ahead, Freeze. <laughs> <laughs> Is impermanence impermanent? No. It's not. Only that which is impermanent can be impermanent. Rise up, Freeze. I have a question. Earlier, you mentioned um, fearlessness. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> My question is: Can can having a low profile and being fearlessness happen at the same time? Fine. Yeah, fearless. The way it's being uh, talked about here is uh, just means that. that even fear can't can't stop you. Even your own personal fear coming up of what will happen next. Uh, if you're on this path, it's not going to stop you. Fearless doesn't mean you have no fear. It means that even fear uh, shows up in, in, uh, in the consciousness, and it is it is it might as well be a tube of toothpaste. That doesn't mean that you don't experience the emotion of fear. Of course you do. Water will get you wet. So and, and so if there's if there's the consciousness is there whatever shows up so to relate to your question yes yeah so you said yes sorry I, I did not okay oh he's coming thank you bowing thank you hi nice to see you One last question, and then we'll we'll close for the day, or we'll close this uh, session. Okay. What is the difference between returning and forcing ourselves? Well, as you said it, forcing yourself. So, you you've been here how many years? Six. Six years. You've lived in a monastery. You practiced all of these forms. Yes. I'm going to ask you a few questions, and then I'll respond to your question. Do you want to keep doing this? Sometimes. Sometimes? How about the other times? No. Do you ever think about leaving? Sometimes. Why don't you leave? I don't know. Huh? I don't know. Don't know. Okay. You sure you don't know? You can say, like, what would I do? Or right. This is not a trick question. <clears throat> But you've been so kind to ask this so that we can, together, you and I can talk a little bit, we can help everybody understand this. This is not a requirement. You don't have to stay here. This is not, not a requirement. You, you, I don't know how else to say it other than that. It's not a requirement. You don't have to be here. You all know that. But if you want to be here, then yeah, it may feel like force in your situation, but I don't think you're really forcing yourself. 
Do you, you really think you're forcing yourself to stay here? Sometimes. How long does that last? It depends. I don't know. It, you know, it's painful, and part of the reason that it feels painful is uh, being in a, an environment like this where nobody's, uh, uh, not outwardly anyway, bullshitting another person. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen because people here, including this old man, have their own confusion. So we do it as a community. So could you say, could you tell me why you stay here? You can give me a couple of words. Is it all because of roomie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's some pluses to being here. There's roomie. Don't you love your teacher? No, I love you too. And it's unconditional. That doesn't mean that I'm going to let you pull a fast one. There's room for really good questions there, especially not only for you, but for anyone else who's listening. Sangha. Sometimes it feels like I stay out of fear, like leaving would be failing, and I don't want to fail. Okay, yeah, I think probably there's some other people that might say the same thing. I know when I was very fearful a number of years ago, I I couldn't leave, and part of it was, I, I, I it was like, feel like I've done this before. I feel like I've done this a long, long time ago. And I somehow got derailed or gave up or something like that. I am not about to, I'm not saying this now, it doesn't feel this way now. But when I was uh, younger, uh, I felt like that, that I'm not, I'm not going to stop. Uh, I found someone I think that I can, if not trust, give the benefit of the doubt to, which was uh, Trungpa. And Trungpa has all the bad press he's had, and he's had a ton of it. So is his son, and all of Shambhala, and, and all of that, that all kinds of, but, but what he did for me went way beyond uh, the, the negativity that I'm sure other people experienced. I, I know it's not that I'm, I'm not discounting any of that, but it is, without him, I would not be sitting here and presuming to teach you anything. So here I am. So we do this together. I'm not the superior person. We're all Sangha. Uh, I might understand a little bit more than the rest of you. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. So, go ahead. So, what do I do when I don't want to practice and I don't want to leave? So, that that's I can go into that. Thank you. That's situational. So, there's no standard for it. I don't sit back and, and say, well, if you only have so many hours in practice, then you have to move out of the monastery. But, uh, if if your difficulty is so uh, having so much, you're having so much time, so much uh, travail, or the fancy word for that difficulty, I might say, why don't you move out for six months, go and live down the road, get it, rent an apartment somewhere else, and you can come. Then you can come here anytime you want. I'll always be your teacher. I'll be your your teacher forever if you want me. But I, but staying in the monastery requires, as those of you who have been living here for years, you know that a, a bunch of really strong, heavy forms that are are challenging. Challenging for especially those who uh, uh, who have to have a job too because they, they don't they can't just come up with the tuition. And uh, some people are their tuition is funded by people who are more well off and are able to help people. 
uh, practice here but that can't do it without help. Um, there's just so many other, so many different ways that it shows up. And so, but at some point, um, hasn't happened yet, but at some point, uh, I might ask you to leave. You know that already. You know, I would even say it, you know, it doesn't look like you want to be here. And so you just to stay where you're at and just never come to practice. You, you come, you come to practice, even though you don't like it. And you might call that forcing yourself. I don't call it forcing yourself. I just, it's just your particular style. You see it? A little bit? Feels like force. Yeah. Look closely. Look closely at your own mind stream. Because that's over here. That's something you think you're doing. Look closely. I'm, I'm going to say this just as bluntly as I can. You are so lucky to be here. very lucky to be here, to be the person I am, what I'm doing here, instead of going off the rails like it was looking like it was going to happen when I was in my 20s. Train your mind. You can do this. It's going to be difficult. If it's really difficult, stay in your apartment. Everybody gets to do that a little bit, have you noticed? More? Thank you. That was, that was good. It's helpful, especially to share that with everybody else, what you're going through. Everybody, everyone is going through a version of that. It might be not, not as intense as yours, but some kind of difficulty, even the Sukhansu is going through that. Difficult. Everybody has their difficulty. I had my difficulty. You get to have somebody to talk to about it. I did not. <laughs> Even Cohen wouldn't talk to me. His teaching was, you know, like, go screw yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it felt at the time. He didn't like me. He didn't want to talk to me. Or maybe he thinks I'm enlightened and I don't need a teacher. Yeah. Hold on. Okay, let's, let's close. Finish. Hi, my name is Shoka. I am a monk at Sokokoji, where I am committed to training my mind under the guidance of my teacher, Sokozan. We rely on your support for our programming, including a scholarship fund to cover living and tuition costs for those who are practicing full-time at the monastery. Thank you for your generosity.